I finally feel like I'm at a point where I love what I'm doing and I'm proud of what I've accomplished. And I do hear the negative voices, but they're almost fueling me because I know that I'm doing what I'm doing for a good reason and good intention. That's all we can do. This is The Maker's Moment, a weekly podcast where we hold space for creativity. We share our stories so we can learn from each other and use our experiences to challenge our often limiting beliefs. My name is Lee Schultes, and I know that in every person, there's an artist waiting to be rediscovered. We are here for makers in all of their moments. We know that it takes a healthy dose of community and a lot of play to get and stay creative. We cover a lot today in part two, sitting down with Cassandra. We talk a lot about communication, the start of White Squirrel Artisans Market, which the fall show is happening this weekend, October 21st at Deerwood Reserve in Brevard from 12 to 5 p.m., how White Squirrel Artisans Market started with the need for more communication, and how if you keep communication at the forefront of what you're doing, it can also help you prioritize what matters most. In this case, keeping artisans at the forefront of the project. We talked about untapped talent, limiting beliefs, how to filter out false goal setting, making friendships, and changing our perspective, abandoning certain ways that we're taught to think, and focusing on why you do what you do. Cassandra walks us through how she built in-person connections that led not only to more collaborations and lasting friendships and relationships, but more business as well. That's huge. I mean, what a huge testament to your beliefs that then you have entire cities being like, absolutely, we right. we believe in this too. Well, and I think the important part was communication. I felt there was a need for covered safe space for artisans. But I also, after COVID, they were taking a risk by hosting White Scroll Weekend. And so in order to disperse the crowds a little bit, I thought it was kind of a perfect location at the time at the Lumberyard to encourage the massive crowd that was probably going to come here for it to go to the farmer's market and then walk through the festival, listen to some musicians, continue walking down to the lumber yard. And then after you're done there, go to the guitar celebration. And it was mm-hmm. just kind of a natural flow. I just created a plan. And after I heard that the festival was coming back and read a press release where they kind of wanted the community to build upon it. I just, the light bulb went off and I had just been a part of a market where the extreme winds, you know, were blowing everything around and everybody was just trying to hold on to their tents. And I'm like, if I could just find the right venue, I'm going to go full force. I'm going to make this happen. And as an artisan, I feel like I know what kind of communication I expect and would like from an event. And that way I feel comfortable going to something new to create my best work for it. Right. And as a musician, knowing that I was going to be able to perform on a weekend that a lot of people were coming to Brevard for was exciting. And to give that opportunity to other local musicians. And it just it started as an idea for a safe market with music. And then it just turned into this incredible opportunity for locals who weren't necessarily able to afford or give the opportunity to be a part of the bigger stage. I was providing an alternate stage for them. 
you know, you also have locals that want to avoid the crowds. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when you provide them with something new to go to and take their families to, they get excited too. There's just so many opportunities, I think, that if you want to take it and run with it, the small town gives you that and they support you. And I think when I started discussing the idea with friends and community members, and I received their support and heard their excitement, that fueled me to just really dive in and not look back. I tried using all of my skills that I developed in my career, and just in life to do the you know, some strong graphic design and Mm -hmm. put my marketing skills into it. And I had organized events, community events um, in Jacksonville for a nonprofit organization right before moving to the mountains. I never would have done that before. That was something I wanted to ask you about because you are so organized. So I'm grateful to hear that you have a history in it because it would be reasonable for people to expect, oh, I could be an artist and then next week I could run this huge event. And these are really, these are decades of skills that you've acquired Mm -hmm. over time that now you're using again in in an intelligent way to serve your community and fit a need. And that's where that sense of being a part of the community comes into play because you know I'm not doing it for financial reasons I'm not doing it for a spotlight I'm doing it because it's something that I felt the community could use um, that the artisans could be a part of without having to travel to Mm -hmm. other towns to present their work and a lot of them had never participated in a market before the first market wasn't one where I could just put the call to artisans out and have all the applicants that I needed I was seeking out artisans so I found people people that had an Instagram page and they had the right hashtags that brought me to their page, but they had never presented their work to the public before. And I had several and now I see them frequently attending markets and I see them with booths at local small businesses. And to me, that brings me such a sense of pride. If I helped one person get out of their little bubble in their basement and now, you know, be this bigger brand in the community, that's amazing to me. I think that was the main thing was just presenting the idea presenting the need, presenting a solution and saying, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Whether or not you're behind me, I'm going to do this and see if it works. I had no idea if that was going to be the only one I did. So if it was just one and done. And I love how you lead from the front too. You're not afraid to have a booth or you're not afraid to be a performer. Like you're like, no, these are separate parts of me, Mm -hmm. but I'm also engaging in this market or in this experience. So you have a market coming up October 21st. Just what is the vision there? So the White Squirrel Artisans Market is a, it's something that I've hosted and organized on my own. It is to me a way for locals to support locals. And my goal is just to feature the talent that is here at home in Western North Carolina. I personally, having moved here, knew that there were a lot of talented people. But now that I have hosted a few of these markets, the talent is incredible. People around these parts, Mm -hmm. (laughs) them people around here, they have more music in their little finger Then I feel like most people could ever hope to have. I mean, it's it's, it's really incredible the caliber of talent. It is, and it makes me wonder how much other untapped talent there is in other towns. Right, and I don't know if it's just a thing unique to Brevard. Have you experienced that in your travels? It's it is everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
there are so many places that are just untapped because it may be an extremely poor country or they have other things that they need to <laughs> focus their times and, and efforts on. But I I do recall in Burma, we were going to some of the temples and there's a lot of locals that just post up at the temples. You can see them painting, sketching the temples and then adding texture with the sands or just things that they have available to them because that's, you know, all that they have. And it's the most incredible artwork. And it kind of makes me question, did they learn this on their own? But I feel like it's passed down Mm-hmm. from generation to generation. I think that's the beauty of the United States is that we're such a melting pot that our talents stem from so many different places. And that's musically, that's with everything. And I feel like we, again, need to not fear experimenting with what makes us happy or what we feel brings out that passion or spark. I didn't learn until, I mean, I had a feeling through stories that I was told about my family, but I didn't learn until I was into adulthood that I'm over 30% Native American. Oh, wow. And I want to dig into that to find out what tribe or, I mean, my mom didn't learn English until she was 23. She didn't plan on living in the United States. When her mother passed away, she decided to marry my dad, they started a family. It wasn't in her plan. So learning English was really tough. And so she had us learn English as a first language. Stereotypes, different things that we know she was unaware of. So when I was growing up and they put white, she didn't think anything of it. But then it was like, you need to make sure that you put Hispanic because that'll give her more opportunities or scholarship opportunities. And she's like, why? I don't understand why. And there's a lot of things that we do in the United States that other countries or cultures would question why. We divide ourselves instantly. Instantly. So what are you working on? <laughs> hey, girl. What hey you girl, got hey. going on? <laughs> you have a lot of projects going on. We talked about how you're a champion of being seen everywhere. And I feel like everywhere I go, you, you're somewhere present in the community <laughs> because you are so invested. What do you have going on in this season? So this season, first of all, I'm grateful to my fiance, Mike, who has taken the reins on the real estate photography because that was really our, our bread and butter together. Since he has recognized my passion for hosting artists and markets and being a bigger part of the community, he's kind of taken that and allowed me the time to focus on the things that really do light that spark. So right now, I am in the process of curating the next White Scroll Artisans Market, and that's occurring on October 21st. So I usually try to plan it out to where I have three months, and that's from the call to artisans, accepting the applications, creating the look and feel of the next one, because each one has kind of its own theme. I noticed that the logo <laughs> changed from green to brown. Yeah. So that goes along with... So that goes with the season, fall. I also wanted to focus more on actual creativity. When I say artisans market, you know, it's not your typical like arts and crafts. It's truly makers that dig deep into their craft. So when I curate this, I ask for photos of their creative process, and I ask for photos of how they usually present their work. And that way I can properly curate them and really accommodate 
their needs. That's kind of my first priority. I want it to be a successful thing for the community, but my first priority is the artists and I want them to be comfortable. I want them to have the proper space they need for their work. I want for them to feel like they're surrounded by people that are equally, if not, you know, more talented because they are that talented and I want them to know that. And so I'm in that process of curating. I am working with the new hosts with their property and is this their first as well? It's their first major event in the new space. And they have graciously been allowing me on the property as they're building. And when my gears are turning, their gears are turning and we're just bouncing ideas off of each other. And it just really feels like the right connection. It's a win-win for absolutely everybody involved. They want to see it grow for 2024. We're going to use 2023 as the opportunity to capture photos, capture videos, and promote what happened this time around. You know, we'll obviously use that those visuals for March. We already have our dates for next year set, but it also helps us kind of work out those little kinks cuz your first you one's have always going to gonna learn. Have. Yes. <laughs> it's always going to have a few. <laughs> but they're already looking toward fall of next year and they want to do hay rides and Remax, they have an actual hot air balloon that they can give people like rides on. Oh, and wow. it's I mean, it's definitely going to be an experience beyond just an artisan's market with live music. And maybe one day it'll be more than one day, you know, like a destination. Yeah. And they have lodging. I saw that they have lodging on site. (laughs) And I have had people reach out to me from Charlotte and from hours away that travel here for the white squirrel artisans market. And that to me is huge to know that this event is calling them to plan a whole weekend around it. So to have a a place that offers lodging is just incredible. I know I'm an hour away. I'm like, I might book a room just because your quality of life really goes (laughs) up. (laughs) And it's it's right. They have the French broad. They have a couple lakes on site. They have Mm -hmm. a bamboo forest. They have hiking trails. I mean, when you drive in, you feel like you've traveled to like a luxury spa retreat, like just, you know, health and wellness type of thing, which mm-hmm. may lead to something else. You That's never know. That's kind of what I'm, I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah. So the, it's, I think it's really helpful, helpful and also healthy for people to hear that there are projects that as you become more passionate with one and as that one starts to take the front seat that Mm -hmm. others will either be absorbed by someone else or you know possibly be put on hold because I feel Mm -hmm. like a lot of times you hear oh you can have it all just not at the same time right um and I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true I don't think anybody should investigate I I don't 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 limit yourself to that yeah I mean you know when we were doing real estate photography we got to the point where we only had one car um And it kind of worked because we were always doing work and music and travel together. So getting down to one car, you know, may have seemed like this daunting thing to other people, but it made sense at the time. And now we have two cars and he's taken the reins with um, one project and that's opened me up to this one. Now in having several under my belt, there are people that have called me to help them 
with their small businesses. So Perfect. now I I host a few pop-ups with, you know, Poplar and Ash. We're going to have one next month. I it gives me an opportunity to demonstrate the work that I'm doing, but also assist her with bringing in more people to her shop. And I love supporting small businesses and small business owners in the community that I know are working extremely hard to support their family, but also pursue what they're passionate about. It's opened the door for that with the sponsorship opportunities with White Squirrel Artisans Market. I offer photography, videography, spotlights, boosted ads for their businesses. So when they sponsor the market, they're not just putting their logo on a poster. They are also receiving services that they can benefit from, knowing that even if it's the lowest sponsorship Mm -hmm. level, they can really use those photos or that spotlight on their new business. So to me, like that's me using the market as an opportunity to help the people. Yeah, you're bolstering the community really at all levels. And we'll Mm -hmm. definitely drop some links um, in the podcast of not only for White Squirrel Artisans Market Mm -hmm. and for all of your individual projects, but we'll also probably drop your sponsors in there as well. That'd be amazing mm -hmm. because we've had some that have actually locked in for the life of the market. Wow. Uh, Congratulations. Which is That's amazing. Huge. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. When you get that word of like, we really loved it, count us in for the rest of them. You're like, so for like the rest of the year or? No, just in general. No, just which, <laughs> whatever you do with it in the future. The founder's package. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. You have decades of skill building to get to this point, but how does mm-hmm. that make you feel? It's what motivates me to continue doing it. Because there are times that I doubt myself or I question, do they know how passionate I am that I'm not doing this to have my name in the spotlight? Do they know how much work I'm putting into this? Because as a fellow artist, there are a lot of people that just see the finished product. And if it's not their thing, kind of brush you off or walk past you and not even give you that validity that you Mm -hmm. need as an artist. If I can at least create that ripple, that positive yeah, ripple, of course. Then hearing that somebody is recognizing it and supporting it that way is that little boost that I need because we all have our bad days. Oh, yeah. And there are times that I'm just kind of like, that's it. <laughs> well, I'm hearing that when you just started your business cards in a rainstorm, you saw them wash away. That was really graphic. There so are, I can tell you went through that. There are a lot of yeah. discouraging things. And you're going to have naysayers and you're going to have just that pushback. Things that could make you just not attempt to do something. It's not. the small voices that are loud. It's one it of those is. things where you look at the majority of people want you to succeed, right? Mm-hmm. The majority of people, and I truly believe this about society, the majority of people are good. They want to build off of positivity. Mm -hmm. And then the negative voices, it'll be one or two, but they just feel (laughs) so much louder, right? They're so much louder. They're very talented at being loud and being negative. And and that's what I I love that your intentions are positive and you work through even talking with you now, looking at your doubt, for example, that could be something that could be so overshadowing, Mm -hmm. but how you look at, okay, I'm doubting myself. I'm in a new place. Let's kind of dissect this community, see what they have going, see what they need like all of that is a really logical skilled approach to building connections so it's it's really amazing I think when we build those walls up around ourselves um, whether it's doubt fear those negative voices it, it is very easy to just give up and mm-hmm. seek something else. But those opportunities that are right there on the other side, 
will have been missed. There's always, especially these days, there's times with like social media and we're reaching for those numbers and those likes and those views. And I feel fortunate that I was part of the generation that didn't grow up with it. (laughs) But I'm still deep into it with the type of work I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I I don't remember when it was that I saw it, or if it was a video or something. And they said, here I am discouraged that only 30 people, you know, viewed my video. But if I were sitting in a room and 30 people came in to watch me do what I'm doing, I would be so happy. You're like thrilled. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so we have to learn how to filter out those false goals and expectations that are constantly bogging us down, whether it's because of social media or influencers. Again, with most people being good and most people truly believe that (laughs) most people are good in working towards positivity, but then you hear some Instagram advice that says, polarize your audience. I did this for years. So I'm like, let's just throw out the most broad, (laughs) sweeping generalization to get as many views as possible. Half of my 5,000 friends will hate me, half of them will love me, but hey, I've got that half and then you can make money you're like what are you doing you know you kind of get your head out of the sand and you're like that's not who I am and it's so easy to get wrapped up in that and that's what's really standing apart for me with you and with this whole dialogue is just how genuinely positive and skillfully positive because it's almost a separate art form just like you said your your adaptability yeah that didn't happen overnight you learned from your parents and then you learned from experience and then you're constantly building that's its own art form I mean it's truly phenomenal I think that we need to like rein in our focus every now and then take a step back take that time for self-care people are so distracted <laughs> come back to it yeah, you go know? outside for a walk no matter You're what it low is on vitamin d i mean maybe we're working on the tiniest project that right. doesn't mean anything to anybody. It's just a personal project or you were hired for something that you're not necessarily going to show off when you're done with it. And I spoke to my dad earlier today because he used to tell me something when I was younger and even into adulthood. You know, even if you're hired to dig a ditch, you're going to dig that ditch to the best of your ability as straight as you can. And when it comes time to show the foreman, they're going to look and see how great of a job you did. And maybe that'll open up opportunities to something bigger and better. And I think we all get to a point in our life where we're knocked down. And whether it's with career, relationship, whatever it is, we just have to know that even if we have to start small, we're going to do our very best. We're going to figure out how to, you know, get to that next step and just keep on being open. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there are a lot of things that have happened in my life and then maybe even things I haven't achieved yet that are, are they're a little daunting. <laughs> and uh, I tend to want to protect myself and to protect the people that I love. But if we're too closed off, then we limit ourselves to these new, beautiful, amazing opportunities and relationships. It took me a long time when we moved here to be vulnerable enough to develop actual friendships. (laughs) And I didn't really realize I was doing it. Mike kind of pointed it out. He's like, just go have wine or, you know, just go dance that you love dancing. And not because it's your job. (laughs) Right. And he's like, just, you have similar interests. So go out there. And I'm like, no, no. You know, I just, I think I was just scared to have my heart broken that maybe that wasn't the friend that I'm going to, you know, continue having a a friendship with. But I feel like I I turned 40 last year. I kind of took 
pride in that. I have had all these years after moving up to the mountains of protecting myself and trying to achieve these things. And I finally feel like I'm at a point where I love what I'm doing. And I'm proud of what I've accomplished. And I do hear the negative voices, but they're almost fueling me because I know that I'm doing what I'm doing for a good reason and good intention. That's all we can do in life Mm -hmm. is just move forward, whether it's one step or running, you know, towards something, (laughs) do it with pure heart, with good intentions and put everything into it. And if it doesn't work out, it wasn't meant to be. If it doesn't work out, but it sent you in a different direction, that's the direction you were meant to go in. Just that forward movement, go with the ebb and flow. There's gonna be bad times. They make you appreciate the good times even more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if everything was perfect all the time, we would have no appreciation. No, you know. Not at all. So I think that's the important thing. And I hope that with my projects, whether it's the market or the music or buying a piece of jewelry that I spent a few hours creating, I still create jewelry. When we started our music, I found a way to upcycle his guitar strings and create earrings. It was just kind of a way, one, to not feel like you're wasting money on these strings that (laughs) you're going to throw in the trash. But to me, the strings have heart and soul Mm -hmm. in them. Literal vibration. Yeah. Yeah. He's played these songs that have touched people. And so when I can use the strings to create a piece that people want to wear to you know, make a statement or a little pop of color or just to feel pretty, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, that became a big part of our our merchandise at shows. So I kind of liked that if I'm not writing the songs, <laughs> at least I can contribute in that artistic way. And I still don't really consider myself a singer. And he always says, you're a singer. You're like, we're in a band. We've been a band <laughs> yeah, for all these years. And I'm like, I know, but I haven't even multiple had Multiple record. You know, no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw vinyl with your face on it. So <laughs> he's like, you are a singer. Like, get it through your head. No. So the jewelry became a, a big, big part of our Gypsy and Me merchandise. I do all of the graphic design of our albums. So everything's very DIY with our music. He's the brain behind the messages and I adore the messages. If I didn't agree with them, I wouldn't be a part of it. This is something where, you know, you go to a lot of festivals and people have this wonderful transformative time where they they listen to a show and they're like, yeah, that was the best show of my life. And it's a way for them to take it home and mm-hmm. to not lose that part of themselves. I feel like especially people you see year after year after year at these same three or four day events. I had a woman come up to me and she said, man, I just wish that I had a way to remind myself to come back to this. Mm. And I think jewelry is so that's at least what got me started making earrings Yeah, is I wanted to remind people of that experience and so with the guitar string specifically I love that it's a direct reminder it's not yes it's not even symbolic it physically is what was used to create that experience yeah I I think that it's just another way for people to take something with them and be reminded of that like you said beautiful time take that away with them I meet all these incredible musicians that don't have any merchandise and like I want to support them and I want to you know aside from just leaving a a few dollars in their tip jar these days there's so many people that are streaming music and that's great and flattering that they want to stream our music but we make fractions of a, a penny every time somebody streams a song so a lot of people aren't aware of the lack of funding toward independent 
musicians. So another thing that we've been trying to do is spread that word, especially for our fellow musicians that are really trying to go for it and get signed or or release their music on a bigger platform. If you want to support them, buy some of their merchandise, buy the CD, upload it to your computer, and then, you know, Mm -hmm. to whatever device you're listening to. I know that a lot of people don't listen to the CDs anymore, but we do have a lot of people that purchase our CDs to show their support. And I'm so grateful. So they can convert it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's something a lot of people don't talk about. You know, they're so in awe of someone on stage and all the lights, so they don't see the hours and hours and decades of work for very little monetary compensation sometimes. if they're try if they're actually trying to get signed then a lot of those companies ask you what your numbers look like how many monthly listeners do you have and it's like so shark tank it is <laughs> but they want you to do all the work and they want you to reach for those numbers and we've kind of just done away with looking at our likes our streams our listeners we love making a connection in person Mm-hmm. And one of our best and favorite shows so far was this summer. We played at the amphitheater at the library in town, and it was incredible weather. Just they filled up the amphitheater. There were people in the fields. There were kids running around. Most beautiful sunset. A lot of people that hadn't heard us before. Everybody just made this line at the end to leave a tip and to talk to us or shake our hand or thank us for the message, you know, the song that touched them or to buy one of the albums. And that is why we still do music. We don't Mm -hmm. go out there as much. We don't tour like we used to. But now it feels like we're doing it for the right reasons and the right people are listening and the right message is getting out there. Mm -hmm. That's the pride and and just the motivation behind continuing Gypsy and me. Mike has actually, this has been an amazing year for collaborations. He's collaborated with a lot of talented musicians in town. So he's been recording and mastering all of that. So there's a lot of exciting things to come with that project. He's also been filming music videos for local musicians and other bands. And to see how it's evolving Mm-hmm. is really incredible because he's kind of branching off into the things that are really just bringing out that creativity. And I'm branching off into the things that are really lighting that fire. So it's going to be interesting to see where 2024 goes. Yeah, it's so gritty. <laughs> I'm loving it. It's absolutely delicious. <laughs> I used to think that my goal should be to have the online shop consistently updated, bringing in those shoppers from abroad. And it worked for a while, especially during COVID when I was here more to uh, man those things and take all the photographs and do all the shipping. I feel like the <laughs> photographs are so daunting. It is. I mean, you're a photographer. That and you can still make rolled your eyes when you said photographs. So I feel better about myself. Gosh, like... <laughs> I think I have this idea in my head and it's going to be so easy. And then three hours later, I think of a different idea that was much easier and natural lighting. And I'm like, what? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're if you're an artisan who is managing an online shop, kudos to you. <laughs> but that's, I can't manage that. I started a podcast <laughs> instead of managing an online <laughs> right? shop. 
but maybe to get away from the online shop but well, you're passionate TBD. like this excites you it's interesting so it's gonna be fun it kind of took on a life of its own realistically but and it will continue you to. talked about that <laughs> in your experiences which is super validating for me personally and I think it's going to be really validating for a lot of other people because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about this until a couple weeks ago yeah no clue I just went online I was like well I hope this gives me a good sound quality I don't even <laughs> know what that means we'll just give somebody some money and hope it works out but it's really interesting how even when you talk about music or you talk about different things, a very small margin of people stick with it. And mm-hmm. I think that's with your adaptability for making this a lifestyle. We'll just take podcasting, for example. Mm-hmm. They say that if you make it past episode 21, you're in the top 1% of people wow. in the world. The wow. average person, 80% of people stop after episode three. And it's going back into that. You don't realize how much work is behind yeah. just, quote, a pair of clay earrings, right? Right. And that's <laughs> that's your kind of turn. like when I realized that I couldn't manage the online shop. I kind of took a step back. The jewelry kind of comes in waves. And that's why it's always kind of like when I was painting, I just kind of call it a series. Mm-hmm. And get your hands on them now because I'm probably not going to make those again. <laughs> and if I do, it's going to be a variation of it because I can't just create 10 of this or 20 of that because it was popular. I'm going to create however many it is, whether it's four or 30. And then I'm probably going to move on to something else. So I have declared myself a small batch jewelry designer. Mm -hmm. If I find something that I can stay excited about enough to put it on my online shop, it'll go up. And I think that's so (laughs) smart going with the feeling. I think it's it's intelligent as a creator and it shows how this really has been a lifetime of work to get you to this point because Mm -hmm. I've spoken to other people and you know we all have those water cooler chats when we're at shows where people say I've just kind of lost that spark. Seems to be really helpful for you keeping that passion rather than creating your own little box to fit yourself into. Right. Just go with the feeling. Feel more. I think that's really important. Definitely. And I recently... Like I love dried flower jewelry and and candles. Oh, that line made me and- melt. <laughs> yes, that new line. Ugh. I love drying flowers. And I was just grabbing a few from my backyard just to see if the colors would stay vibrant or how the shapes would look. And then I'm like, I'm already creating polymer clay jewelry and I really over ordered white. <laughs> so let's use that as yeah. a blank canvas. Mm -hmm. for these flowers. So it's almost creating these mini masterpieces. And I'm not bragging. It's more like every single dried flower dries differently. They really do. So no one piece is alike. I can create two with the same flowers, but they're going to be completely different at the Mm -hmm. same time. And I love one of a kind pieces. To me, I will spend way too much money on something if I know I'm going to be the only one that has Mm -hmm. this particular one, Mm -hmm. you know, called to me. So I started doing the dried flower series and I now have those pieces at Hunters and Gatherers, at Gravy, at Poplar and Ash. And I, I love it. And Mike and I went on a walk a few days ago he spotted flowers he went by himself a few days prior he goes there's all these flowers that I think you could dry and so we went together and just spent time putting them into my little 
pressed flower kit. And once those are done, you know, we'll see what happens. But he even got excited about it. He sees ferns and he's like, can we dry them and put resin and make different jewelry pieces with these? I'm like, yeah, you know, yes. it's kind of fun to see him get excited. I think it's cool seeing actually I had a similar experience after seeing your fern line. I walked out and I was like, really looking at ferns. I felt like for the first time and I was like, wow. Ferns are like a fern within a fern within a fern, <laughs> like as their leaves branch out. Yeah. I was like, you've lived in the forest for 10 years. You've gone on 12-hour carryouts out in Caesar's head. You've never really looked at a fern. Yeah. To see things that you mm-hmm. had never really <laughs> fern inception. Seen. Yeah. And I, I love that about my pieces. I want them to be pieces that you kind of want to look at for longer than a second to see what's in it. How was it created? It has these natural little flaws, but it kind of makes it have some character. I don't strive for perfection. I strive for... Which is interesting as a Virgo. So your art challenges you that way. (laughs) See, I know something now. I know Aries and Virgo slash perfection. That's it. (laughs) I love that. No, but I I definitely have embraced small batch. I'm excited for Halloween and Christmas. I got really, really intricate with some of the earrings last year um, with sugar skulls and painting the skulls to look really dirty and gritty and using snakes. And I've just really been inspired by things I didn't expect to be inspired by recently. I will say this, and I'm not a declared Swifty, but Taylor Swift. (laughs) I saw those bracelets. (laughs) And I love them. Right? So I can't belt out all the words to her songs that weren't released or anything. But I can respect an artist that is like just achieving things that even the most incredible musicians, when you're in that that big of a spotlight, I mean, here we are being discouraged by one or two people at a market. You know, she's not from around here, are you? Millions. (laughs) I'm sure millions of people like you can't sing or you're too fat or you're too skinny or, you know, or I'm going to kill you next Tuesday. I'm sure that's I'm sure. Yeah. And she has not let it stop her. She's used that. She has written songs based on the things that she's accused of. She has discovered her love for directing. She is really, truly invested in the people that make the shows happen. She knows that the cities she goes to are going to be impacted economically in huge ways just by having her concerts there. Um, again. Yeah, it's incredible yeah, it's, the impact that she's made. She's younger, but she has an old soul that recognizes the realities of how lucky and blessed she is. She uses that platform in such a great way. So when I was making these bracelets, I had started making these sparkly bracelets just because everybody loves a little sparkle like during the holidays, right? (laughs) So for the last two years, I was making these sparkle bracelets. And then the whole idea of people from just small young girls learning about friendship bracelets to like our generation recognizing that she was doing something different with it with titles of songs and Mm -hmm. things like that. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make a little basket worth of Era's Tour-inspired bracelets. See what happens. Let's see how they go. I feel like it blew up because even I was like, oh my gosh. And I couldn't name five Taylor Swift songs (laughs) off my head. But I, again... Yeah, I was looking at even each individual one was so powerful and like how you paired it with the beads and I stuff. I can't keep them 
in stock. I mean, they've been really just one of the top sellers right now. Mm -hmm. And now that she's extended the tour, you know, into next year, (laughs) I'm like, I'm just going to continue because they make me happy. They're sparkly. I can't believe, I mean, I've had some custom orders for them and they request a certain color song title. And it's because it was a song that changed their life or got them through a really tough time. It's beyond a Swifty friendship bracelet. This is like deep. For yeah, people. I, I respect her as an artist, but I also am really just inspired with this line beyond a sparkly Taylor Swift yeah. <laughs> bracelet. Um, I'm connecting with these people that are placing custom orders and having these um, in small businesses in town where some of the sales, you know, some of the commission is going toward the Boys and Girls Club or toward that small business owner, you know, who is just making a livelihood from running the small business. Like it's going beyond. That's incredible. That goes back to so much being behind the veil of what people see at the table or Mm -hmm. what people see on the stage. And I think that's definitely a message that's been permeated through the entire conversation, which is... Yeah, I definitely... I'm not... I can't take full credit for everything I do. My parents, obviously, that instilled the work ethic and being innovative. And there's the professors that in college, I didn't know what kind of artist I was. I was like, I can't... Yeah, here's this. Did you go to school for art? I did. Yeah. (laughs) But when I was in a figure painting class, there's this nude model there Mm -hmm. for three hours, and I'm supposed to create this masterpiece of this model. I'm like, I don't think I'm an art. I don't know. Like, what am I doing? I remember a professor, Paul Ladnier, at the University of North Florida. We're still connected on Facebook. He got us to work fast, finish the piece work with different colors, textures, like don't make it look like a photograph, just lay it down there as your head sees it, as you're interpreting it. And I, in that class, discovered that I was an abstract artist. Mm -hmm. And when I was able to incorporate texture, my mind just exploded. I'm like, this is my calling. Yeah, there's a lot, especially with art. There's so many rules. Yeah, there's supposedly to be followed. I just love breaking the rules and does this work with this? Like, does this combination work? Oh, that didn't work. Yeah, it's just constantly growing, learning, experimenting. And before I used to always be like, I don't even really know what paints to use or what brushes to use or um, how do I seal this? You know, it's mm-hmm. just always like, Ugh, you know, it just <laughs> makes scary. you scared to even touch the paintbrush. And now the polymer clay jewelry and now incorporating resin so that I can incorporate the dried flower. Like everything's just naturally and organically evolving. And it's playful. It's fun. It is. It is. And, you know, there's some people that probably don't care about it. <laughs> it, it doesn't suit them. But there's a lot of people that just can't get enough of it. And there's a lot of people in town that have large collections of my earrings and I just love them so much. You know, I've collaborated with Sarah, the owner at um, Cedar Mountain Moonshine, Studio 276. I love those. That's the shine line. The shine line. Shout out Sarah. She, (laughs) man, that, she's like my soul sister, but (laughs) I was messing with clay. Of course, I just want to do things that are different than mainstream I saw Alcohol Ink. I saw that she and her sister-in-law were painting with Alcohol Ink 
using their high proof moonshine. So I'm looking up like, can you paint? Can you do it on clay? clay? Yeah. Um, I'm like, Sarah, let's just play. I don't know if these are going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen when we bake them. Mm -hmm. Like, who knows? But let's just try. So gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. Cannot keep them on the shelves. We're hoping to book another little art date to do Mm -hmm. the next batch. But those are the types of collaborations and pieces. And they're one of a kind that I just I'm so proud of. They actually submitted a pair to our state magazine and they are finalists. So we'll find out next month if they win an award. So (laughs) that is so exciting. Yeah. Which pair? Um, It is from the last batch and it's it's a slab that Sarah painted, which is great because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I came up with the, the concept of the shine line. She painted this slab. It really looks like the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I don't know what she used, but it looks like people like lined up. And it's kind of like the experience up there when they do their music in Moonshine. They host musicians. People line up to buy food from the food trucks or taste their their moonshine so the earrings are really just a personal project that oh good luck to you that is super exciting yeah today's key takeaways number one communication is key white squirrel artisans market started because local artisans needed more communication with their events they needed to be the forefront of the project Number two, there is untapped talent in local communities around the world. Cassandra's conversation about Burma really stuck with me. Walk around the corner or even across the country and you never know what it is that you're going to find. People are talented everywhere. Number three, we have to learn how to filter out false goal setting. Yes, metrics and data are important, but it's really important to not look so much at likes and streams and downloads, but work on connecting with people in person rather than working to prove that you're valuable to a record agency. Number four, changing your perspective and focusing on why you do what you want to do not only leads to more connection, but it can also lead to more collaboration, more listening, and more sales. A special thank you to Cassandra and all of the generous sponsors for the Autumn Festival put on by the White Squirrel Artisans Market. This Saturday, October 21st, you can shop from 80 local vendors at Deerwood Reserve from 12 to 5 p.m. Find the White Squirrel Artisans Market on Instagram at at White Squirrel Artisans Market and check out Deerwood Reserve at at Deerwood, D-E-E-R-W-O-O-D-E Reserve. The event is from 12 to 5. It's free, family friendly. It offers free on-site parking. There are going to be food trucks, coffee, cotton candy, popcorn, face painting, drinks, and even children's activities hosted by the Brevard OPT. Live music on the hill all day long. So bring your chairs and picnic blankets. The forecast looks gorgeous and the fall leaves are incredible on the property right now. And don't forget, there's a raffle that benefits the White Squirrel Institute and Cedar Mountain Music Project. There are so many amazing prizes to be won and I'm even donating a pair of earrings. We have a list of the generous sponsors in the notes of this episode and we cannot wait to see you there. (music) 